Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're doing, um, last week I did a prophecy update, you know, and as I got into it, I saw we're taking a, a break from Lessons from Elijah. We will come back to Lessons from Elijah because it's really starting to warm up because we're approaching the, um, the, the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and the Asherah on Carmel. And that's, a you know, I want to get there and then the things that happen afterwards. There's plenty there, particularly for us today in the time of the conflict in which we live. But last week I wanted to do a prophecy update and it looks like this is going to turn into a trilogy Today's the number two, and last week was the shaking intensifies, and today I want to talk about accept no substitutes. Accept no substitutes. Some of you know where I'm going with this immediately. Others will 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 get it. I want to start off by reading, uh, and we are of course when I say prophecy update, we're dealing with the things that are happening in our world right now. Next week, we'll be looking at some of the things we can expect to come. Then we'll be back to Elijah. But in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, John the Apostle writing to the church says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. That's good advice. How many of you know we got lying spirits out here? And they're attached in many times to lying people. All right? Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. How would we do that? We would do it by the word, by the scripture. To see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, I know people want to use that as some sort of a test for people they think are demon possessed. But that is not what this is about. This means... Every, what is the spirit of prophecy? You know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Anything that steers us in any way, shape, or form away from Jesus is not the spirit of God. Everybody say amen. amen. And that Jesus is God in the flesh, raised from the dead. He's not a good teacher. He's not a significant figure in human history. He is the son of the living God, God in the flesh. All right. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist off which you have heard that it is coming. Look at this. And now it is already in the world. It is already in the world. Everybody say already here. Already. We'll come back to that. Now, in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark chapter 13, we have a, a, you know, each of the evangelists' recordings of what Jesus said concerning the end time. Matthew 24 is the one that is in many ways the most fleshed out because the entirety of Matthew 24 is about the last days. And then 25, he starts picking up the impact that it's going to have vis-a-vis -vis the judgment. And he, they're coming in Matthew chapter 24. The, 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 the disciples are pointing out to Jesus what an awesome building Herod's temple, as it became known, the second temple in its uh, final form was because Herod had put a huge amount of wealth into the building of that temple and making it ornate and making it beautiful. And it is considered by some to be one of the wonders of the ancient world. And it was spectacular, famous throughout the, the world, the, you know, the Roman and in even the Gentile world uh, to the east for its beauty. And they were talking about it. And Jesus said to them, you know, you see that? Not one stone is going to remain upon another which is not torn down. They couldn't even fathom that. You know, I don't want to talk about a lot of the things that are coming simply because nobody, you know, people get tired of hearing it and don't want to, don't want me to talk about it. And, and I understand that. But saints 
I have a responsibility to warn those and to say, look for this so that we can be prepared. I was just reading in the Old Testament a couple of days ago about Hezekiah, Hezekiah, and how when he heard that the Assyrians were mobilizing against him, all of the things he did to prepare. And God never rebuked him for preparing, but Hezekiah didn't have to fight the fight. God did it for him. So all the preparations were still there. Everybody say, amen, God's good. All right, we may talk about that at some point. But so they come to, you know, Jesus, and we, we have what's known as normalcy bias or recency bias. And that's where we cannot even imagine things taking a change or a turn that would be so radical as some of the things that the Bible describes. I mean, 15 years ago, do you think anybody could imagine that they would lock people down in their homes, putting all kinds of businesses out of business and telling us we had to stand six feet apart and we had to wear masks everywhere we went? And believe me, I've talked to enough educators in the public school system to say that the impact of that lockdown is having a wrecking ball impact on our schools and how so many of the kids are exhibiting ADHD and just like that and they directly attribute it to that period yet I'm telling you 10 years ago even we would not have been able to imagine that kind of a decree coming down from not from the president but from our you know other agencies, you know, the shadow government. And so in Matthew chapter 24, they came to him and they said in verse beginning in verse three. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So this is a confidential briefing. It was just James, Peter and John saying, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Now I've said this before, but it bears repeating, particularly since there will be people watching by web who have not heard this. He says this, that line, see to it that no one misleads you, is in all three of the synoptic gospels. So in other words, we can tell by that and by the things Paul says, and by the things we see in Revelation, that deception, lies, misdirection, misinformation, disinformation is going to be the order of the day. It is going to be the ethos, the very character of the last days. Lies upon lies upon lies. And notice he says, see to it that no one misleads you. Upon whom does he lay responsibility for not being misled? Us. Amen. His spirit is there, you know. And the translation of the word there in the New American Standard is perfect. Because the word translated misleads is from the Greek word that means literally to lead astray. To entice the hearer. To go a different direction. To entice the hearer to walk a path that would lead to destruction. To entice the hearing believer to depart from the faith. Or, at a bare minimum, to incorporate things in their life that will destroy their victory. And will, will, will nullify their faith. Now, holding John chapter 4 verses 1 through 4, which we will not read again... Holding that in context, John was dealing with false teachers and false prophets who were doing their very best to pick off believers from the church. That is normal operation for the enemy. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, we see Paul in his departure from Ephesus when he tells him, you will not see me again. He's on his way to Jerusalem and he knows that there's trouble up there waiting on him. And he says to the elders, he called the elders of the church of Ephesus together. And he said to them, I know, verse 29, after my departure, savage wolves will come in uh, among you, not 
sparing the flock. And from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. The word perverse means to twist. In other words, there is enough truth in it that it's got some truth within it. There's the ring of truth. There is, you know, the, a bit of a feel of truth. But there is enough of an introduced mixture of falsehood and lie to cause people to be drawn away from the truth. Incidentally, uh, and, and that's demonic uh, standard op operational procedure. And when it says to draw away, that word has the understanding of to draw a sword. Everybody say amen. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says this, But the Spirit explicitly says, that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, teachings of demonic spirits. That is, Paul says very clearly. Okay, I want to read that again. The spirit, what says? Read that with me. But the spirit, what? Explicitly, this isn't something that Paul just kind of gathered. It's not something that he just somehow deduced. The Spirit showed him this explicitly. That in the, in the later times, how many of you know it's later? All right, later than a lot of people think. Some will fall away, literally apostatize, stand apart from the faith, paying attention, following... After, that's what that word means, following after lying spirits and teachings of demons. The spirit of Antichrist is here, now, operating, now. I haven't got that. Susan tells me that there is a, there's an app that I can get for my iPad where I can just write on it and she can put it up on the screen and we can like that and I don't have to go right on the board but you know and we're, we'll probably try that because it's not expensive you know and it's techie and we all love thing, everything techie don't we as long as it works alright we don't love it when it doesn't work alright so and I've done this before but I, I, I want to put you in remembrance of this because this is the whole upshot of everything we see happening around us and I do mean everything when we see the word Antichrist, it's um, the, the prefix anti comes directly from the Greek anti, which is spelled exactly the same way. And it means against. But what people may be looking for is someone who is rising and is saying, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus is, you know, a deceiver and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that won't happen. But at first, it will be much more subtle than that. All right. Think of it as, think of him as substitute. Substitute? Substitute. Christ. A, an, um, a different Messiah. A substitute Messiah. An alternate path. A different way. One with a fallen nature. How will he? And he will draw away people. This spirit draws people away after it. Will draw them away from Jesus. Will draw them out of the world. How does he do that? Second Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 in the ESV. But false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring it? Oh, I don't, secretly is not, I don't like that word. I like covertly, quietly, without fanfare. Bring in destructive heresies, things, teachings, doctrines that are off, that are twisted, even to the point of denying the master who bought them. That's the end result. Bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their what? Sensuality. 
And because of them, the truth will be blasphemed. Sensuality has to do with not just sexual things, but things that have to do with the soulish, with the world, with, with, with every part of it. Sexual is definitely included in that. And he goes on to say in the very next verse, and in their greed, which is going to be a uh, play a significant part. We know from 2 Timothy chapter 3, people will be lovers of, in verse 2, people will be lovers of, of self, lovers of money, greed. They will exploit you with what kind of words? False words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. They will tell you that lifestyles which, and motives which are completely unbiblical are okay with God. There's nothing new here. False prophets and priests were rebuked in the Old Testament for doing uh, the same thing. The substitute path is something that will appeal to your flesh. The substitute path is easier. The substitute path. What you know when you're saying you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I need to you need to lose weight. What do we do? We change doctors. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't want to be told the truth. When the doctor says your blood pressure is getting a little high, you need to you need to drop some weight here so that you don't have to take all these pills and everything. And so what do we do? I said, well, I'd just rather take the pills so that I can eat. That's sensuality. You know, we think of sexual things purely as sensuality. But I assure you that, you know, the, the, the sitting down to a sumptuous meal five times a day. The Bible does speak of gluttony, doesn't it? Pastor, you can get off of this anytime you want <laughs> Amen. So what, you know, from, and, and in fact, well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verses 1 through 3, again from the English Standard. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Okay, now, now let's think it through here. Put on your theological thinking cap. Let's think theologically, think biblically. So we were following the course of the world. Doing what? Trespasses and sins. That's the course of the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. Following the spirit of the Antichrist. Is that right? And the spirit that is now work in the sons at work, rather, in the sons of disobedience. You know, when he, I don't want to be one of the sons of disobedience. That's where disobedience has really taken root and is producing great fruit. And it comes to define me. Among whom we all once lived, listen to this, in the passions of our what? Flesh. And carrying out the desires of the body. If my body wants it, my body gets it. And the mind. Amen. Maybe there's some things I'd like to watch or read or listen to, which I would like to listen. And my mind wants to do that. And the spirit in me says, I don't want you doing that. There's two or three movies that the Lord just absolutely refuses to let me watch. And I'm like, but, but God, everybody's seen it. Well, not everybody. I haven't. All right. Among whom we all once lived in the past. There's a lot of movies like that, by the way. All right. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out, walking out, conforming to, indulging the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature, look at this, and we're by nature children of what? Wrath, like the rest of mankind, the rest of humanity. Oh my goodness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no one deceive you, for the end will not come unless the apostasy, the jumping ship of believers, people who used to believe but have accepted a watered down, milk toast, 
perhaps even cut to the point that it won't cover anything, faith, comes first. And the man of, there's the first use of the word, lawlessness. Lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. The sons of disobedience become sons of destruction. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me here? We're going someplace with this. We haven't actually gotten to where I want to go yet. We're just laying the foundation for it. All right. And so we see that this substitute Messiah is a man of lawlessness, a son of destruction, as all those who follow him will be. And when you understand this, it's much easier to understand what is happening in our world today and why and how people in this nation can get up and say free Palestine after these people have done the things that they have done. The hateful horrible things that happened. What is happening in our world? In fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now we talked about the word mystery. The word mystery simply means that it is something that is happening behind the veil. It is something that is finds its origin in the spirit. This lawlessness that we see erupting in the world today is spiritual at its base. It is not just human invention. This goes beyond human invention. This is demonic in nature. All right. The mystery of lawlessness is at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And I know there are lots of interpretations of that, that it could be the church. It's supposed to be the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, Michael, the archangel. I come down on number three there. I believe that 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 the restraining influence has clearly been lifted and that people we are rapidly descending into cuckoo Amen. Well, wow. Well, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 3 again. It says, you know, that you were dead in trespasses and sins, which you once walked, following the course of this world. How many of you remember that James says, if we're friends of the world, we're enemies with God? Now, we can be worldly Christians, and we're not enemies, but we are strangers. Amen. And it said we are strangers to him. We are disobedient children following the course of the world, following the prince of the power in the air. Doing what? Staying in trespasses and sins. We are we are dangerously close to becoming sons of disobedience. Those who have sold out. This isn't you know, when you talk about lawlessness, this isn't your garden variety sin. This is something that goes much deeper. This is Romans one type stuff. And it is so easy once you've been told, hey, your sin is OK with God. This is the way you were born. Yeah, I know that it says over in Romans chapter one that. This affection that you're feeling is unnatural, unholy, and is abominable. But Paul was wrong. I know it's hard to believe, but there are people out there who will say, I believe Paul was wrong. Well, just throw the whole scripture out. Because if you're going to redact Paul, if you're going to argue with Paul, you've set yourself up as the final arbiter of all truth. We believe it is we are saved by grace alone. We believe we are saved by faith alone. We are saved by script through scripture alone, by Christ alone, and to the glory of God. Those things stand. I call them the five solas. And those things stand. And we believe that. And we cannot go and redact Paul. That is what these teachers do. This man of lawlessness, these deceiving spirits who lie, they'll tell you, well, that's not true. I remember one time reading a thing, and I've made mention of this before. I'm sitting there reading this long thing on social media by this young woman who was a, uh, uh, she, was, she was talking about how she was the daughter of missionaries had grown up on the field and how that homosexuality is all right with God and giving all of these uh, exegetical proofs that 
you know, that, that standing against homosexuality in particular was not biblical. And that was the most ignorant, dishonest, you know, anybody that has any understanding of theology and any understanding of the Greek would look at that and go, where is she getting this? I remember a Peanuts cartoon. How many of you used to read Peanuts? Is it still around? I don't even know if it is or not. But Charles Schultz was a, was a committed believer. And I'll never forget that Lucy, how many of you remember Lucy Van Pelt? She had a younger brother named Linus. How many of you remember Linus? Mr. Mr. Blanket and Thumb and Mouth, you know. Linus, however, he with the blanket and the thumb in his mouth said some very profound things at times. So, uh, you know, uh, Lucy is taking Linus around and she's educating him. She said, you see this tree right here? These marks? This is where a bear stopped to sharpen its claws. Right, in town. Okay. And two or three other things like this. And so... Charlie Brown just has all of this he can stand. And he finally says, Lucy, where are you getting all of these facts that you're teaching Linus? And she looked straight at him and said, I make them up. <laughs> That's where we are today. People are making, you know when it says that in the last days they'll eschew the truth and turn aside to myths. What are myths? They're made up stuff. And so we are watching, I mean, we've had postmodernist education in our education system for coming up on, what, 35, 40 years, and it's really bearing fruit. What I feel, that's what's real. I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to listen to anybody. We're raising a, a, a generation of solipsists, and that's somebody who thinks that there's nothing real outside of themselves. How many of you think that might be dangerous? Okay, so the root... Now, here's the interesting thing. Um, come back. Uh, um, 1 Peter. No, not 1 Peter. Ephesians. He says, in 1 Peter... Excuse me, I keep saying 1 Peter. Ephesians 2 and 3. Look at this. Verse 3. Among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh. That's the word epithemia. And it is a counterfeit. It talks about something springing up within me. And it is directly used as a play on words as a counterfeit to the moving of the Holy Spirit upon us. And it can, you know, our desires become our God. And it... It, 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 you know, and for me, it means that lust, but the epi, E-P-I, epsilon pi, or epsilon P, iota, in front of it is a prefix meaning upon. And there is a counterfeit of the, it is a counterfeit of the impetus of the spirit. And the enemy loves to take these, these passions and turn them into drives. And turn them into things that control us. And indulging them habitually is walking among the sons of disobedience. And in Matthew, yielding to lawlessness. And in Matthew 24, beginning with verse 10. At that time, speaking of the days into which we are now entering. Many will fall away. There's that apostasy to which Paul refers. And will betray one another. And what? Hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead. There's that word again. Many. Because what is increased? Lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will do what? Grow cold. Wow. There it is. We have become, we have been told in our education system of that we are our own God. You chart your own course. You name your own path. You name your own value system. Reject anything you don't want, you don't like, or you don't want to hear. Just consider it not real. I mean, you know that there are some things in this world that are very real. You know, if, you're, if we're at 15,000 feet in the king air with the door open and getting ready to jump out, 
Gravity is real. And if you go out without a parachute going, I will land safely. They're going to be cleaning you up. Amen. Paul in Romans chapter 1, the infamous Romans chapter 1, says in verse 28, Just as they, talking about those who are lawless, did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a what? Depraved mind. They can't think straight. They cannot think straight anymore. Now the only way they can, they can get any kind of truth is for God to give them some sort of an epiphany, which is possible, particularly if somebody's praying. How many of you with me? To do the things which are not proper, being filled with all, look at this, unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy. Next word, murder, strife. Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, meaning rejecting divine authority, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. That is the, that we, you know, notice it says filled, uh, come, come back to it again, where it says filled. Let's see, being filled with all unrighteousness. There is that word, you know, epithemia again. But, you know, and lawless, the lawless are filled with it. They are not just dabbling in it. They have finally abandoned themselves to it. All right. Notice also when you see murder, insolent, arrogant, boastful, murder, strife, deceit, malice. You know, it's militant. It's no longer content to hide in the shadows of culture that eschews it because the culture was controlled by Judeo-Christian values. Now it is militant. Whereas before it used to say, please just leave me alone and let me live my life the way I want to. Now they were saying, you will bow your knee to me. Note the violence which Paul specifically, you know, it, it's there. The murderous barbarism we've seen perpetrated this very month is but the tip of the iceberg. There is much more coming. I wish it weren't true. The commander-in-chief of the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps says, and I quote, If the enemies think that Muslims will watch these crimes from the sidelines, they are gravely mistaken. According to a translation in regional media, he also added the comments uh, at aimed comments at Washington saying the U.S. will be buried by the fire they lit. The coming, there is war coming. And to call it asymmetric would be an understatement. What's asymmetric war? It means that there, it isn't just going to be fought on the battlefield. There will be actions in against homelands. Israel is becoming, Jerusalem is becoming a heavy stone, according to Zechariah. And any who try to lift it will be hurt by it. We are headed into a very, very rough patch. Amen. Luke 21, no, no reason to be scared. Amen. Jesus didn't say, go hide. Remember last week. He said, lift up your head and rejoice. All right. We come to Luke 21, which is the Lucan passage that is uh, the uh, brother of um, of Matthew 24. He says there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on earth distress of nations. That word distress, as you've heard me say before, is the word that the ancient Greeks used to mean oppression. They translated distress here. I'm not saying that's a bad rendering, but the fact is that it was used in secular Greek by secular Writers of the day to mean oppressive. Then he goes on to say, uh, in, uh, just translate it this way, um, oppression of nations in confusion and bewilderment because of the rest, the roaring of the sea and waves, literally their, their um, if you understand Bible speak here, the roaring of the sea and waves, the people, the populations in turmoil are the roaring of the sea and waves. I ask you again, how many, or remind you, from what does the beast 
in Revelation, the Antichrist rise from the ocean, from the sea, from the peoples. When you see the sea, when you see a, a sea in heaven, what do you see? You see a sea of glass. No tumult. No, no frothing, not like that. Why? Because in heaven, it's peaceful. Everybody say amen. How many ready to go? Yeah. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. And governments will be cracking down because of the violent unrest. In fact, back in verse 9, he said, when you hear of wars and disturbances, the word translated disturbances means rebellions and insurrections. There will be rebellions. There will be insurrections. Don't be terrified, for these things must take place first. But the end does not follow immediately. Here in the United States, we're watching our government lose credibility day by day. We're watching the Federal Reserve lose control. Our currency is worth 1% of what it used to be. How many of you have noticed that? I mean, you can go buy a, a box of cereal and it's seven bucks. I mean, what's up with that? You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, which of course was shortly after the Civil War. I, I understand that. But when I was a kid, I went to the, and I've shared this before, I, you know, they used to have corner neighborhood grocery stores. Some of you are old enough to remember that before Piggly Wiggly and Price Chopper and Hy-Vee and Food for Less and, you know, name your Walmart neighborhood market swallowed everything. And we and there used to be these little neighborhood grocery stores. And there was one just right down the street from my granddad, Granddaddy Mac, my granddad's house. And we'd be there and granddad would sometimes or my mom or dad would give us a nickel and tell us we could go to the store. Because the streets in Okima, Oklahoma were safe. And we'd go down there and we would use our nickel. You know, for that nickel, I could buy a loaf of bread. I remember going through there and seeing five, five, five on the shelf. All these fives on the ends of these things that were wrapped up. And I knew it was a loaf of bread. And I asked my dad, I said, what's that five mean? He said, that's the price. It's a nickel. You could go over to one of these refrigerated boxes it was a chest that's what they kept the cokes in you know you put the top up on it you put in your nickel grab the thing by the top slide it down the thing get it over to the thing and pull it through and if your nickel was there it had let it through and you could get a couple of cents back one or two pennies back for the bottle if you brought it back you know, and so, you know, and, and, you know, just look at the outside of that bottle. It had come back several times. <laughs> All right. And so, and, 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 you know, it was, a, our, our money went a whole lot farther. I mean, when I was in high school, I remember gas wars where you could get regular gas for 19 cents a gallon. So much for our trip down memory lane. The day is coming when they're already having trouble selling our debt. And our government is running up a tab. Like, you know, and if you think that won't have an impact, it will. And so we just need to prepare for the day when the federal budget is cut by half or thereabouts because they won't their, their ability to borrow money will be so... Uh, and today's entitlement programs will be greatly curtailed. I take, I'm on Social Security. I have no illusions about it. All right, there will always be something. But you might say, well, why is that important? Because the unrest that it is going to bring is going to be monumental. When I, my first time to meet Marianne Brown, after she had prophesied over me, and I'm saying, oh, God, bring that prophecy to pass. That was, I think, in 1991. And after the meeting, it was an afternoon meeting, and I went. And uh, over at the Amos family uh, uh, event center over in Kansas. And I sat down with Marianne afterwards, and I got, and in this conversation, she had said some things. And so many of the things that Marianne said to us are happening before our very eyes. 
And I sat down with her and I wanted to compare notes with her. I said, here's, here's somebody that seems to hear from God. And I didn't know her near as well then as I would get to know her through the years. But I, you know, I sat down with her and I said, you know, um, I said, are you familiar with David Wilkerson? And she said, absolutely. She said, I know him. She, I don't think she knew him well, but she did. She had a chance to meet him and speak with him. And I said, he saw New York on fire. He called it the night of a thousand fires. I said, do you, do you, do you believe that? She said, I've seen it. I said, what? She said, I've seen it. She said, I've seen the tumult in the city and the fires in the city so great that there was no way first responders could get to it all. And she said, they take the National Guard and they close the city completely off and you can get out, but nobody is allowed in. I went, wow. After that time, I read Kenneth Hagin's vision from 1950 where he saw large chunks of multiple American cities that were burned out. Not from war. Yeah. There's trouble coming. Everybody say amen. And if you think the supply chain issues we experienced in 2020 are bad, wait till what's coming next. All right. We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Because that's the only way through this. Joshua 24, 15. Now here's, I'm coming to the crux of everything I've said up to this point. Joshua says to his people in his last days, he said, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve Yahweh, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. Amen. We will serve the Lord. More as we watch America repaganizing, and that's what's happening, we see more and more people choosing to serve small g gods and their own lusts. They've made themselves the arbiter of what is right, what is wrong, what is good, and what is evil. And have thoroughly rejected the scripture and the God of the Bible. But we have supernatural help. We have an anointing. We have his presence. That doesn't mean it's going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be. And But ministers who deal with people who are under a great deal of... Are under, you know, when I'm, I'm saying, I've watched... I've talked to... In fact, I talked to somebody this week who's in touch with hundreds of ministers. And I said, is there a great deal of stress in the ministry today? And he said, like I have never seen it in my life. This is a man in his mid-70s. He said, like, I've never seen it in my life. He said, they are under such pressure to buckle to the and succumb to the spirit of, of lawlessness and alternative lifestyles. And he said, and they're buckling because they can't stand the pressure. And they're afraid they're going to lose everybody if they don't. Mm. Another thing we've noticed Getting people to work. Not just in the, not, not just, you know, at Best Buy or, or someplace like that. In the church. Getting people to put their hand to it. In fact, Kathy has been working with the PTA people over at Sunny Point Elementary. And they are running on a skeleton crew there because they have trouble getting. In fact, when they had their carnival, they had so few adults volunteer that they had to take middle school kids and bring them in and place them in positions of responsibility under adult supervision because they didn't have enough adults to do it. So it's not just the church. It's the whole country. And this is the Midwest. Can you imagine what it must be like in some of the other places? Volunteerism is in such decline. Community, spirit. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must. Everybody say must. must. That is, it is required. Deny himself and take up his cross. When? Daily 
and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever wishes, who lo ever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. And then listen to this. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Those are high stakes. Forfeits himself. It is a day to count the cost. It truly is. Now is the time to build our house on the rock. And not follow the substitute Messiah. Because the substitute Messiah leads someplace we don't want to go. Here it is. 1 John chapter 4. Beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us what? Love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love God does not know. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Jesus of Nazareth is, not was, is love incarnate. And to walk in love is to be spiritual. To walk in love is to deny the flesh, to take up your cross. The love walk will require walking by faith and not by feelings. Are you hearing me? All right. As we see the continued deterioration and anger and hatred and arrogance around us, what is that? When we walk in lawlessness, when we walk in the flesh, hatred is the ultimate destination. It will take us into hatred. We must not go there. We must not pick up our enemy's weapons. How many times do we see in ancient Judah where the king goes into, where's, I can't remember the, which king it was. He went and he defeated the, the Arameans, he defeated the Syrians, and he brought their gods home and began to worship them. And the prophet went to him and said, you defeated, their, you defeated those gods and now you're worshiping them? Dude, what on earth is wrong with you? We must not take up our enemies. The substitute Christ will lead us into lawlessness. And lawlessness always, 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 fleshliness always winds up in hatred. It always does. We must not adapt the enemy's tactics we're, or, or we're already defeated. When we look at all the things that are happening around us, and I know I've said some strong things today, but I'm here to tell you that the proper attitude toward hot, what's hot happening around us is not anger. Our attitude, we'll leave God to deal with his righteousness indignation and his righteous indignation. That's not for us to do. Our attitude should be broken heartedness. At what we see happening to people. You know, we've got a plan for when people that are truly aberrant start walking through the door. Because we love them. Because God loves them. Our faith will be tested. Oh, it will. You know, when somebody's dressed like a woman and has a beard. We're going to be... We're going to be testing. So we've never seen anybody like that. You will. Because they're going to seek truth too. How many of you with me here? And we got to love them. And we're going to love them. We will not kowtow. We will not tell them what they believe is okay. Because the Bible says answer a fool. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Answer him as he deserves. Lest he think he'd be wise in his own estimation. We'll do it in love. But... We've, and we'll, we will stand for truth. But the door is open. Everybody say amen. amen. And what we'll do, instead of looking at him and go and, and saying, you. And come up with some choice epithet. Just look at him and go, oh my God, my God, my God. That person is so broken. 
Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <sighs> Lord. How many of you know, whenever you see Jesus moved with compassion, miracles happen. And God can set anyone free. The very fact that they're seeking help. Yeah, but what if they walk through the door ready to take things over? Let them. They're going to find that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We must speak the truth, not wavering, not compromising or equivocating, but do so in love. If our musicians would come. We will not accept the primrose path to hatred. The primrose path of the substitute Christ. The one that looks so easy. So inviting. So voluptuous. So sensuous. So satisfying. We will walk with Jesus. Everybody say amen. And we will walk in love. One of the most famous passages of scripture in the entire New Testament is 1 Corinthians 13. Beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. This is from the ESV. Or boast. It is not arrogant. Or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. I'll wait. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. And boy, we've seen some of that. But rejoices with truth. The truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I know some people say, well, it says love never fails. Well, that's what... It means in the King James, love never ends. It doesn't mean that love always wins in everybody's life because there are people who reject love. It just says love never gives up. Love never runs out of gas. Now let's read it this way. Since we just read in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love, God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way. God is not irritable. I have tested that. I mean, I have. God is not, and I found it to be true. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God never ends. There may come a day. When you have to stand up and look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy or boast. I am not arrogant or rude. Somebody might say, oh, what are you doing there? I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. I'd like to think I'm not arrogant, but there are times that I have been wooed. <laughs> How wooed. It, I do not insist on my own way. I am not irritable or resentful. I would never say this around my wife because she might have something to. <laughs> I, I am not irritable or resentful. I do not rejoice in wrongdoing, but I rejoice in the truth. I bear all things. I believe all things. I try to think the best of everybody. Hope all things. Endure all things. I Never quit. How many of you with me? And you know what? Speaking that over yourself. You're speaking the word of God over yourself. You might say, yeah, but I'm not those things. But it's God's will for you to be those things. It is God's will for us to have and to display and to walk out his character. Amen. And so, is it okay for me to start speaking that over myself? When I feel anger, I feel something rising up within me that is unholy? Yes! One of my favorite scriptures following somebody that drives like Gene. 
20 miles an hour under the speed limit and that's in a 40 zone is to say tribulation worketh patience Romans 5 and patience proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart through the Holy Spirit who's been given to me I'm being perfected. How many of you get me here? Let's all stand. And it is perfectly okay with God for us to stand and look at ourselves or to, to remind ourselves, Lord, by your grace, I am patient. By your grace, I am kind. By your grace, oh Lord, I, I'm not envious or boastful. By your grace, Lord, help me to not be arrogant or rude don't help me Lord not to insist on my own way boy do we live in a world that needs a dose of that and I'm not irritable have you ever been irritable how many of you have done something when irritable that you really wish you hadn't done it never leads any place good or resentful amen those of you watching by web the spirit of the substitute Christ, the Antichrist, is among us already. It is working. We see it. It's leading people into hatred of the kind that there was a day that people would say, how could people say stuff like this? How could they believe that? How could they even think that? That it's out in the open. The quiet part is now being said out loud. And it's becoming obvious. And in the days ahead, you will see that both love and hatred are going to be acted out in a major way. It is a great day to be alive because there is not going to be any more gray area, or at least not as much. But I want to assure you that if there is, if you want to be on the right side of this and you want a life that is not controlled by circumstances by anger you don't want to get swept up in the things that are happening you need to know Jesus you need to belong to Jesus not just have him in your life I mean you are sold out belonging to him and the only way to make that happen is to be born again that's the start at least and you must be born again. And if you will pray right now, Lord Jesus, I repent. If you be brave enough to admit that your life is not working and that the things that you've been doing and the, thing, the direction you have been going is not producing and it is not good. And you know in your heart of hearts that, that destruction is out there somewhere in the distance. That you say, Lord, I repent. That means you're turning. And I come to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe, Father, that Jesus is your Son. I believe that, he has, that you have raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord. The Bible says that with that depth of commitment, you will be born again. And you will pass from death into life and from the boot under the boot of the enemy into the kingdom of God's beloved son Christian already born again you already know Jesus the tug of all the things that are happening the pull of this world we have it and it's not just right it's not just the left the right's just as bad getting up and saying things that are venomous and hateful yeah we got to stand for truth I understand that we got to stand for what's right I understand that too but again we have to be brokenhearted we enforce the scripture with great zeal but that is to save not to destroy Jesus says right there in John 3 17 for God did not send his son into the world to damn the world but through him it 
might be saved. We have an awesome Savior. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Realize that all of these influences and the voices are getting louder. But that's okay. Because so is our God. He's promised us in the last days we're going to see awesome things. They're already starting. And God is preparing your heart to be a part of it. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, .org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.